Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. of 1 Peter chapter number 3, we come to a very important promise that's found in the Bible, one that it is that I give out often. And so if you don't mind, I'd like to study this and give some understanding that we can apply this specific promise to us. The book of 1 Peter chapter number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 3, and notice with me in verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may with also with they may they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear whose adorning let it not be the outward adorning of the plating of hair or the wearing of gold or putting on of apparel but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in uh, 1 Peter chapter number 3? And notice the phrase here, likewise ye wives be in subjection. Put an emphasis there, however, on the word likewise. Likewise. As we're reading in 1 Peter chapter number 3, we're reading specific instructions concerning the home. But it starts with a word likewise. Whenever you see the word likewise, therefore, wherefore, what you're doing is seeing a word that's doing a comparison. What is a comparison? Well, whenever you see the word therefore, you need to see what it's there for. You go into the context. In 1 Peter chapter number 2 at the very end, it is speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ and how the Lord Jesus Christ maintained a testimony even while he's being tortured, while he's being killed, while he's being put on the cross. That Jesus Christ, he didn't try to rail on those who were railing. There was no guile found out in his mouth. He threatened not. That Jesus Christ, while he was being put up on the cross, still maintained a testimony unto the Lord. With Jesus Christ in mind, because he is our great example. In fact, that's what it talks about in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2 in that passage. That Jesus Christ, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps likewise ye wives be in subjection to your own husbands. And in this passage, it gives a very clear scenario. Here's the scenario. Here is a wife who is a believer and she is married to a man who is not a believer who does not follow God. And so she's already tried everything that she could. She's Try to invite him to church. She's tried to get him to read the Bible. Maybe perhaps she's even taken the Bible and beat him over the head with it a couple times. And it's not worked. She's come to the place where, what do I do? And she gets to this place and there's a hopeless thing. Is he ever going to get better? How's it ever going to get fixed? And the Bible here gives an illustration of how it could get fixed. How it could get worked. And so we find this, and we're going to take our time here to understand about putting the house into a functioning order. We're glad to see y'all. 
And we're in the book of 1 Peter chapter number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 3. And if you don't mind, as we hit this, we also want to apply it to our own self. And see this promise that is given here. Now, in this scenario, over 25 years of being in the ministry, I cannot recall how many times I've given this out. Because we have homes that are in distress, homes that are messed up. We have a scenario that plays out quite often. Sometimes it's not exactly husband and wife, but very often it is where a wife will come and say, my husband doesn't obey. He doesn't want to listen to the word. He has no desire for this. What do I do? And I'll give them the advice. And may I tell you what the normal response is? What else can I do? (laughs) I don't want to do this. What else can I do? And the answer is nothing else. This is it. This is a promise that works. Why is it that people are so quick to reject this? Because it's hard. It's hard. What does this mean? And so I want to take some time to explain about uh, this principle that is given here. By the way, this principle does not just work for a husband and wife. It works for any relationship. When people see the change that's in you, it draws them to the Lord Jesus Christ and said, there's something with this. And so if you don't mind, may I give you a promise that works, and I've seen it work, but a promise that is often rejected because of how hard it is. With it, let's look. The first thing I want to show you is that she regards her submissive relationship to her husband. She regards her submissive relationship to her husband. Again, we see the word likewise, and we know that it is pointing to Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is our example, that we should follow his steps. Jesus Christ was willing to humble himself to become a man without being ceasing to be God. This was not done because he was less than God. Think about the relationship of Jesus Christ and God the Father. Is Jesus Christ any less valuable than God the Father? No, not at all. And so we see that it is not a matter of value. It is a matter of function and order. That God has set an order into a home and that there is an idea of function and order and things to function up there. Sometimes this world has twisted things around and trying to say that if someone decides they're going to be submissive, then it's an idea of value and that the person being submissive is less valuable than the other person. Let me give you another illustration. Let's say that as I'm driving down the road, there's a police officer who stops me. And the police officer says, you can't go any further. There's a hazard in the road. Well, I could say, listen here, I'm not less valuable than you. I can make my own decision and take off. Am I helping myself? No. No. And so am I less valuable than the officer if I submit? Not at all. We understand that it is a matter of function and order. And so with this, a lady in this position, she has to regard her submissive relationship to her husband. It is not a matter of value. It is a matter of function and order. And that in order for us to get the blessings out of the home, there is an idea that function and order must be applied. Jesus Christ was an example of this. Hold your finger here and turn with me, if you don't mind, to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 5. And we can see this principle again, this idea of function in order. (laughs) Ephesians, chapter (laughs) 5. 
And notice with me, you don't mind, in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 21. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21. Notice if you don't mind as it starts off in Ephesians 5, 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, again, it's talking here in Ephesians 5. It's talking about the, the home and it needs to be put in order. But notice this. Submitting yourselves one to another. In this, it's talking about a husband and wife submitting to yourselves. So in this case, there's a time that a husband needs to be concerned about his wife. And it's going to talk more about this here. So we can see it's not a matter of value. It's a matter of function and order. And there are times, uh, if it was an idea of value, that it would not say that we're supposed to submit ourselves one to another. Does it make sense? Here it's saying that we need to be concerned over our mate and what God has given to us. Verse number 2, our 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Once again, we have this comparison of the relationship of what God has done. And we submit ourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. Now, this is going to play a part when we get back to 1 Peter. But this phrase, as unto the Lord... We're submitting ourselves unto the Lord by using the function and order that God has given to us. Wives might go to the place where they said, I don't trust my good-for-nothing scumbag husband, but I can trust God. I'm going to submit to God as I trust God to work. Verse number 23, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water for the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot, or wrinkle, or anything that should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Again, as we're seeing this passage here, we're seeing a home that is supposed to function correctly, and a home that's supposed to function correctly, that the wives have a part and the husbands have a part. And the husbands have a big part. They're supposed to love their wives, to take care of their wives, take care of them as themselves. And the wives have the idea of submitting to their husbands as an idea of function and order as unto the Lord, trusting that God would work. Turn back with me, if you don't mind, the book of First Peter. Now that's some background information. Let's check out this text here. And I want to show you the second thing. She realizes that true beauty is inward. True beauty is inward. So here is the, the, um, the scenario. In Second uh, Peter, or First Peter chapter number 3, the scenario is, is that you have a wife who has a husband who doesn't believe, who doesn't want to follow God, who doesn't want to obey, who has no desire to do what, she, what she would like in following after Christ. How do we solve this? Do we tell her that, listen here, mister, you better get or God's going to strike you down. Is that going to be effective of winning him over? No. Nope. Nope. If she takes the Bible and says, I'm going to learn as much scripture as possible. In every scenario, I'm going to quote scripture to him. Is that going to win him over? Nope. No, it's not. If she, what if, if she keeps nagging him all the time and say, listen here, why can't you be better? And what, is that going to draw him near? Nope. No, not at all. So how is it, how is it that she could be one? Notice again verse 1. Likewise ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may without the word 
be won by the conversation. That conversation is the behavior of your life. Of the wives. That a husband can be one without the word. Alright, this is interesting. How can he be one without quoting scripture to him all the time? To drag him to preaching. To play preaching on the home. To have scriptures written on the home. To remind To pack his lunch and have like little scripture verses about loving your wife. And I, How in the world do we do this? Well, verse number two. While they, the husbands, behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Whose adorning let it not be the outward adorning of the plating of the hair or the wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. So what in the world does this talk about? Well, this talks about that the husband can be won without the word by the behavior, the conversation of the woman. What does this mean? Well, when she learns to become the best Christian she ought to be. Now, when I am in counseling sessions, normally what I'll have to do is like, he's not here. The only person I could work on is you. So we work on you and allow God to work on him. This is exactly what it's saying. That the wife becomes the best Christian she knows how to be. Not as a flashy type thing, but as a meek type thing. Meaning that she is in her Bible reading whether she catches or he sees her or not. She's in her Bible reading. That she's in prayer whether she does it or not. I remember one lady who said, I'm going to show him how good of a Christian he is. And so she would wake him purposely in the morning by being loud. And so he'd come downstairs. I'm reading my Bible. Do you think that impressed him much? No. Not at all. <laughs> but when she allows God to work on her, and she decides she's going to follow after God. And she is going to submit to God and allow God to do a work on her. The guy is going to be watching her. The people who know you best are the people you live with. The people who, who are related to you. They see you. By the way, it takes some time for them to be able to see the changes. But when they start changing, usually it goes in a couple phases. The first phase is the curious phase. What in the world's the matter with her? Amen. I mean, there's something different about her. I wonder what this is. And then there's the phase where uh, she'll get over it. This is just a little thing. It, it won't last. And he's waiting to see if it's going to last or not. And when it still keeps going, he's going to test it. This is the phase that people don't like. He's going to purposely see if he could break her from behaving like a Christian. Poke, 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 poke. And when that finally doesn't happen and she's still living for the Lord. And she's, I'm not saying perfect, but she's trying to do her best to follow after God. He says there's something to this. And so what happens is that she begins to influence him. And now she says, what he begins to say, whatever she has is real. What is it? Now he's curious. Now he wants to find out. And he's more receptive. He's won by her conversation. By her finally behaving like a Christian. Her behaving like the Lord. You know, there's an adage that I've been saying for years. People are tired of hearing about Christianity. They want to meet one. Amen. 
They want to see what one looks like, what tastes like, what smells like, what they act like. Because we have a lot of people who profess Christ who do not behave like Christ at all. Not in their mannerisms, not in their speech, not the way they do everything, not the way that they interact with people. As a pastor, one of the things I, I've grown to dislike is when our church folks are in the hospital. You say, why? Because I've had too many church folks who decide to yell at every nurse for every misdeed and every slight and whatever else. And they make them miserable. Make them miserable. They try to escape and whatnot. And then I'm like, hi, I'm their pastor. I, I try to teach them better. Uh, what can we do to be a blessing? I mean, <laughs> at hospitals, it's when people are at their worst. They're hurting and hurting people hurt people. And they start... Thing. That's the time where we need to be living like Christ. Amen. And that draws the nurses and the staff. I know you're hurting, but you know, you've had such grace upon you. What's different? They want to meet someone like that. Well, the same thing at home. At home, usually the people that we are more short-tempered with is our family members. How many know that to be true? We can be so patient with strangers. Yeah. Oh, but we get around family and... Pfft, it just takes a minor slight and World War III's gone up. How dare you? Well, when that doesn't happen, when the husband knows he did something wrong, maybe intentionally, maybe accidentally, but he knows he messed up, and he doesn't get the third degree and get beat up and, and branded, what happened? Where's the fight? Where's the argument? What happened here? He begins to get curious. You understand, we often use hurting as an excuse. I can yell at whoever I want. They need to understand I'm hurting. Just because you're hurting doesn't mean you have to be grumpy about it. And when we start having the graciousness of Christ, again, what is the comparison? It's not Jesus on a good day. It's on Jesus when he's being tortured, when he's being killed, when he is being in the most pain that anybody has ever gone through. And he still had a graciousness to him. There was something different. And when the wife. Now by the way. This is not fate. This happens when you have a relationship. That's real with God. Amen. And he changes you from the inside out. That's why I said. The most important thing. Is that the woman. The lady or the man. Or whatever the person is in this scenario. A teenager or whatnot. When they get to the place where they allow God to work on them. Amen. Again, why do... Sometimes it's motive that's wrong. So many times when ladies will come up and they'll say, Can you pray that my husband obeys and whatnot? Usually the reason why they want it is not for the man's sake. And it's definitely not for the Lord's sake. The reason why they want their husband better is to make their life better. Their motive is wrong. And if your motive is wrong, then you're going to have a hard time allowing God to change you because I don't need to be changed. It's him. He's the scumbag. I understand. But you have some things that God needs to work on you too. And if he works on you first, it will come to him. So again, here is the advice that we work with people. 25 years, I've done this with teenagers. Teenagers who get saved and their parents have have no desire to go to church and they try to keep them from going to church. What do I tell them? You be the best Christian that you possibly can. It's not your responsibility to convert your parents, meaning that you got to go tell them or 
leave uh, tracks inside of their lunch boxes every day and, and little things like that to take your hymn music and to turn up the radio as loud as they can where they yell at you, turn off that music and, and whatnot. I used to be one of those teenagers, by the way. One of my things my parents did is they grounded me from the Bible. Can you imagine such a thing? Because I was always reading it. And so I wasn't always a perfect teenager. Things I get there. So I understand that type of thing. That's the advice we give. You be the best person. You allow God to change you. If a wife comes up, the very first thing I'm doing is taking this passage and saying, this is what you should do. Allow God to work on you. This is a process, by the way. It did not take uh, overnight for your husband to be like he is. It's not going to be an overnight magic wand fix either. It's not the idea, well, I read my Bible all week. How come my husband hasn't changed? It doesn't work that way. But as you allow God to work on you, by the way, the more surrendered you are to the Lord, the faster he will work on you and thus them. But this is a hard thing because we don't want to submit to the Lord. We just want things better. By the way, it's always been an interesting thing when it does work that the husband wasn't in church at all, had no interest in thing, and then he got saved. And when he got saved, he got gloriously saved. And now the wife's miserable because he wants to go soul winning all the time and read his Bible and go become a missionary. And she's like, I didn't want this. Well, you want God to change him? This is, you got to keep up. You got to allow God to do the changing on you. But God can do this. This has worked. It's not as instant as people want, but it works. But this is the principle. By the way, this works for anyone. That the people who knew you growing up, the co-workers, whatever, as you start changing, they start noticing what's wrong with you. What's different about you. I've been watching you for weeks. You no longer yell at the people who come in and interrupt you. Have you ever been to a place where they're customer service based, but you walk in and it's like you've interrupted their whole entire day that you're a bother to them? Well, <laughs> you don't do that no more. What's wrong with you? You're, you're like happy when the boss gives us work. What's wrong with you? Well, let me tell you what God has done in me. That God's changed me. And they'll start wanting to listen to you. They're more interested. There's an old adage of you could lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. But you could put salt in its oats. The idea is that we need to make people thirsty. How do people get thirsty for the Lord? Oftentimes it's not because they hear us. It's because they see us. <clears throat> Which brings us to a, a third thing here. She reaches, she, uh, she reaches those she loves for Christ. What is the motive here? For the idea that God is pleased. The idea for them. That it's not about her. She wants to reach him so that way he could follow God. She wants God to be gloried and honored from it. Again, I've given the illustration or the real life occurrence where I didn't want him that saved. I didn't want to go church all the time. I just wanted him somewhat better. Well, then the motive was wrong. Why do you want him saved? Why do you want him serving God? Is it to make you feel better? Or is it for the Lord? That should be the goal. It should be always about God. Who he is. Following after him. Now again, I cannot understate this. This is not an instant change. 
This isn't something you fake. But this is as you surrender yourself to God and allow Him to change. It will affect you. There was a young man who we had the privilege of leading to the Lord. And he got saved and we're thankful for it. He also had a twin brother who also had made a profession of faith years before and was at a watered down weak church and did some things but um, really had never been discipled or taught. But you know, I'm a Christian. I go to church. I'm a normal, typical American Christian. Well, his twin brother who we had led to the Lord, we started to go through discipleship. And remember, discipleship is developing the habit of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. That everything we do in the Christian life is habits. You get in the habit of going to church. You get in the habit of praying. You get in the habit of reading your Bible. You get in the habit of giving. You get the habit of witnessing. Those are habits. And through discipleship, we help provide those habits where they're uh, settled. They're not something I, well, I have to read my Bible today. It's, I'm already read my Bible today. It's not a, it's not a, I have to check my list. It's something you, you do. It becomes a part of you. Well, that change in started to happen to him. He started to grow rapidly. Until one day as we were leaving a retirement home, um, not even on the church campus, we were in a separate retirement home. We were walking out in the afternoon after we finished, and there's his twin brother, and he comes up and says, You! You! Whatever you did to my brother, do that to me. So he started going through discipleship. He'd been saved for a while and technically serving in a church. But both of them got their discipleship. Both of them started developing these habits. Both of them started going. Now they're both missionaries serving on a field. What happened? This principle here that the one brother just surrendered and said, Lord, change me. He wasn't even thinking about his brother. He, wasn't the, he was saying, Lord, change me. And as he was changed... The people who knew him best, including his brother, his sister-in-law, his other family, they had all had meetings. What's wrong with him? What happened? What's different? The other guy got to the place where he said, I started to feel like I wasn't saved because I was watching him get so close to the Lord. And I felt so far away. And what happened? Whatever you're doing to him, do that to me. What is this? It's this principle here. Of surrendering ourselves to the Lord to follow his example. Lord, change me. And as God changes us, then we will influence those around us. Because people don't want to hear any more about Christianity. They want to actually meet one and see what they look like. People following after Christ is such a rarity nowadays. That it gets so much influence. There's a principle of letting your light shine. And if I took a lighter... In here, we got the sun shining, lights in here. If I took a lighter, it wouldn't light up the room very much, right? But if we were like last night in Wisconsin when it sh- lights, <laughs> sun goes down at 4.30 and had no lights on. If I had a lighter in here, couldn't everybody see it? Absolutely. We live in a dark world. When someone, even if it's a little light, because the world is so dark, it will attract people. And people want to see what it is. This is the principle that's found here. To allow God to change us and let that light shine. And as that light shines, people will come and say, what is this? Now, maybe you have family members. Maybe you have people that you're concerned with. And you've been praying, I want them to be saved. I want them to be changed. I want them. Praise the Lord. How is it going to be done? 
Not by beating them over the head. Not by <laughs> every time you talk to them, you're quoting Romans Road and going through there. and <clears throat> Not getting to the place where you say, you're going to die and go to hell unless you accept Christ. Every conversation, that makes people miserable. It's at the place where you allow God to change you. And as God changes you, those who are watching you will say there's something different. And eventually they'll get thirsty enough. They'll want the same thing to happen to them. This is the principle for everyone and anyone. Allow God to do the changing. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus. And I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.